Hey guys, thank you once again tuning in to Jacob's Affirmations. Another great guest today, Grayson Boucher, the professor, longtime friend of mine. We both grew up in Kaiser, Oregon, and I really want you guys to think about his ability to continue working through obstacles, to keep moving forward, progressing on his craft, no matter what people were telling him. It's a big deal. I mean, really learning to have that perseverance where we can be our own guide and see our own potential and really work to it to achieve that potential as well. So great story. Appreciate you guys tuning in. And while you're listening to the episode, take a screenshot. When you're done, tag myself at Mr. Jacob SB and Grayson at Global Hooper on Instagram. And let us know what your biggest takeaway of the episode was. I'd love to hear from you guys. All right, take care. We spend too much time listening to the terrible negative thoughts roaming around in our heads. Self-talk is positive. This is a chance to do more of it. This is Jacob's Affirmations. Thank you guys for tuning in. Once again, Jacob's Affirmations. It's a big deal that you're here focusing on your development, wanting to get better. And we have a special guest today. I mean, my man Grayson, the professor, those of you that aren't familiar with him or, or me, we actually played high school basketball together, and it's just been amazing watching his journey going from the and one mixtapes to playing in a few different leagues and then just really making a name for himself in social media in the world in streetball. So, Grayson, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Hey, hype, man. Honored to be on with you. Appreciate it. So for those that don't know, Kind of tell them a little bit about your upbringing and how basketball played a role and then kind of how you transitioned into to streetball because it's an, an interesting story. Yeah, totally. So um started playing the game at two years old, you know, coming from Kaiser, Oregon, as you know, our, our hometown. Uh, my pops was my first uh, inspiration. He taught me the game, uh, you know, from driveway bas- – or excuse me, from shooting on our, our mini Larry Bird hoop to driveway basketball, to watching all of his men's league games and really intently focusing on the game from start to finish. And it, it was very noticeable that I had a liking for the game really early. And then from him, you know, coaching me in AAU all the way up until seventh grade, um, his passion for the game just wore off on me uh, by about fifth or sixth grade. Um, I knew that I loved the game and I wanted to do it for a living. Uh, I started about that same time. I started working with a, a full-time trainer, this guy by the name of Rodney Howard. He kind of taught me a lot of the foundational skills for ball handling. Um, and then I, I became actually known for, for having handles by about middle school. Uh, played all the way up through high school. Um, actually only ended up playing one year of varsity basketball, as you know, because we played together on JV. Yep. <laughs> um, your junior year, my my sophomore year. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, so, so I had an okay high school career. Uh, senior year, I ended up getting a second team all-state uh, at a small private school that I had transferred to called Salem Academy High School. And then I got no college offers. I ended up walking on to uh, the local community college. And really, the only reason I got a shot to even try out for the community college was because the head coach at the time had bought his engagement ring for my pops. And my dad had 
kind of like told him I had a passion for the game. He really tried to persuade him to give me a shot, and the coach was nice enough to actually let me go try out. So he gave me a look. So let's talk about that a little bit, because I think I think that's just a, that's just an amazing side note of like you were so passionate about this thing, like you, like your life was dedicated to it. You know, me knowing and kind of being in the gym with you for a lot of the hours. I was getting there early, but you were there before I got there, and you were still there when I left. You know what I mean? And so to have this experience with something you were so passionate about and it kind of looked yep. like, you know, things weren't really going to pan out. You know, we were hoping to get a look at a community college. Yeah. Yeah, it was a trip. You know, I think you know, it's like like the famous saying, you know, when preparation meets opportunity, you know, success can be had. But it's like it's almost like my opportunity wasn't until later. And I've always been a late bloomer on all levels. So. Um, yeah, it definitely was a trip that, you know, only ended up playing one year of varsity basketball. And I think, I think it was a testament to my lack of strength and size, you know what I mean? And really not being a presence on the defensive end, you know, maybe just focus on offense, a little bit scared of contact on defense. So those, those kind of stunned my growth and, uh, and my position going up through college. And then, you know, basically walking on the team, playing five minutes a game in college, definitely, you know, it was interesting because if you would have asked me if I was still going to play basketball professionally, I actually probably would have told you I was. <laughs> yeah. Even playing five minutes a game at the junior college, and I don't know if that was delusion or just good positive thinking. Uh, turns out to be the latter, I, I guess, now if I look back on it. But, um, but yeah, so it was crazy. And then, um, you know, after that freshman year um, of college, I dedicated myself, actually, believe it or not, more than I ever had finally got in the weight room you know I was, in, I was in the gym like you said early in the morning 5 30 in the morning so about seven before before uh my classes started back in the gym afterwards you know for open gym then hit the weights and then come back in the gym again and work out and I did that for about three months straight but for the first time I was actually um uh, getting a little more physical on the defensive end you know kind of emulating some of my teammates who were a lot better than me at the time okay and then I was uh, just developing my, you know, honing my offensive skills, and I got a lot more confident. And then next thing I knew, by the end of the spring, summer, I was like the best player in the gym at our at our college open gyms, and I feel like I improved like 300%. So do you, and, and that June was, was the and one trial. That's crazy. So do you think that the increase in the uh, work ethic, was that because of a self-awareness where you kind of realized, like, I have a lot of work to do if I'm going to get where I want to go? I think it was a combination of things, yeah. So the fact that I, I looked at where I was at at 18, wanting to play professionally, you know, or, or even just move up to the next level of college ball, I realized I was nowhere near that. I realized, you know, I was that thir- 13th man on the bench, or excuse me, 13th man on the team, you know, buried in the bench. And then I think what also contributed to was a, was a great coach I had named uh, David Abderholden, who's still the, the current uh, <clears throat> Chemeketa Community College head basketball coach. Awesome. Uh, he was great. He kind of took me under his wing and he was like really encouraging, you know what I mean? And, and I think the way he was able to communicate the game and, and encourage uh, really helped uplift my spirits and gave me hope uh, for the coming year. And I, and I really took it personally and took it as a challenge, you know, all these new recruits that were coming to the gym and, and that they were basically looking to just, you know, put ahead of me because I weren't, wasn't really in the mix. So yeah. I think it was a combination of two things. And something I want to point out for the listeners to take away from this is that you had the opportunity to like throw in the towel 
and to blame the coaches for not getting playing time and to kind of look at things outside of your control. But instead, you really looked in yourself like, okay, what can I do to make this situation better? And because you did that, you had the amazing shot um, trying out for the and one mixtapes, which has, has led to phenomenal things. Yeah, and you know what? You touched on a good thing, too. It's like it's easy to blame the coach. You know, I think, I think at a certain time I, I would have blamed my high school coaches for not giving me a shot. But you know what? When I look back at it in retrospect, like sometimes, like you said, you just got to look in the mirror and take responsibility. I mean, if I was a head varsity coach, would I have given a guy who was, you know, 5'4", 115 pounds a shot either? You know, like it's tough. And it'd be one thing if you're a defensive pest, but I wasn't even playing defense like that. So I can't really – I couldn't really blame anybody. You know what I mean? I had to look in the mirror. and It's like, it's like the saying, you know, you just got to work with what you got. So that's kind of the mentality that I tried to own. That's awesome. And I think that you've kind of continued that focus as you went on, you know, went through the animal mixtape t- tour, um, ESPN put you out there, which was just so exciting to watch from home. And we were rooting for you and we kind of knew how things ended ahead of time because we were, we were keeping in touch and then transitioning outside of and one, you kind of were in a, new, a different area again, where you had to kind of find your lane once again. And how, how did that work for you? How did you kind of adapt with it? Yeah, so so my initial trial year, like 2003, I was, I was basically on the whole summer tour. I think it was like a 30-plus city tour. And at that moment, I was just I was just having a good time. You know what I mean? Like I was playing on the opposing team against M1 where there really, there really were no expectations other than just to give a great effort because yeah. the M1 team up until that point was like undefeated. And, and for me, I'm just looking at it like, hey, you know what? Nobody's ever given me a shot. I never had the limelight in basketball, especially on an elite level. And now, now I'm on ESPN. I'm playing against my idol. So everything for me was great. And there was really like a like a nothing to lose situation. If they would have sent me home a few games in, that would have been a home run. Yeah. So so first year was about having fun. The second year, you know, the second year, uh, I had to like find my role and figure out how I fit in with the with with you know the the other players on the tour because they were accustomed to playing a certain way, um, which was very competitive, but also upbeat and and entertain the crowd. And it took me a while to kind of adjust and figure out what the speed of the game was and and how I fit in. Yeah. So, so the first two years was very different. Um, The first one was really just about making a name for myself, but I was having so much fun. I didn't feel pressure to win the contract. Like a matter of fact, I didn't even think, that and one would give me a contract. I didn't think that was going to be a possibility. I was just happy to be there. And the second year, you know, the adjustment process was a little challenging. So let's talk about post and one. And you're just doing some amazing things in social media, um, not just the numbers, but like your ability to connect with people is phenomenal. And I think really inspire people to maybe look at you as somebody as like, if he can do it, I can do it. You know, being, you know, five foot, whatever, you know what I mean? And like really having a name for yourself in, in the world of basketball. So I'm curious, like talk, talk to me a little bit about social media and kind of how you strategize around using it effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny is there's more, way more strategy ways than it would be now than, than it did, you know, from the very beginning. When I first, when I first was on social media, it was more of a social thing, you know, like in the early 2000s, mid-2000s. And then <clears throat> by about 2008, 
2007 or 2008, I had noticed that a lot of people on the street, when they stopped me, they would say, hey, I saw your stuff on YouTube, man. It's awesome. You know, and it started being mentioned more that they saw me on YouTube, more so than ESPN, because that was sort of the end of the run for, for and one being on ESPN. So I, felt, I thought that was interesting. I really paid a lot of attention to YouTube, and I saw all these fan compilation mixes that people had made uh, by ripping the TV episodes and, and making – you know, like professor, you know, highlight mixes on YouTube. So if those were getting, you know, massive amounts of hits uh, of views, I figured like, why not make my own channel and try to aim toward getting more, um, more booking inquiries. So that's what, that's what it actually started out as. It was just a way to get more booking inquiries and more awareness in the space. And so 2009 started my own channel uh, I had a kid who was great at editing, this kid named Alberto. He's got his own channel, Alberto Entertainment. He showed me how to edit Final Cut Pro, and he ended up making my first, like, three or four videos for me. Okay. And that sort of planted the foundation for my YouTube channel. And, yeah, really, I would just, you know, every once in a while, if I gathered, if I retained the footage from my event, I would upload it on YouTube. Or if it was on a different YouTube video, I'd cut it up and put my own highlights if I got permission to do that. And I, and I wasn't even shooting original content. Like, I didn't even have videographers come with me. So it was interesting how it started, you know. And then as it progressed, you know, um, 2013, I by about 2013, I was getting a decent amount of views, you know, 50 to 100K on, on a lot of b-ball mixes. And, but I didn't have any videos that were, like, mainstream that were over a million views. And so the aim was, like, well, how do we do this? And a friend of mine came up with the idea for Spider-Man Basketball, episode one, which is still the biggest video on my channel. And literally within a week, that video got like six million views. And that was the single, like, a pivotal point in turning my YouTube into something just for bookings into a full-time business. That's just amazing. And so kind of talk to me about the the Spider-Man uh, Basketball video. Just huge viral hit. I mean, it was on, I feel like ESPN mentioned it and like a lot of different... Just major outlets were talking about it. So, but at first, I'm sure there were some kind of questions, right? Should I do this? Is this a good idea? What are people going to think? And how do you kind of deal with that dynamic? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, overall, it definitely was a blessing. Uh, I think so. First, when we came up with the idea, we just thought it was funny. It was, you know, right now it's a it's a like a web series, but before it was just a one-off prank video. That was the aim. So we picked Spider-Man, the superhero Spider-Man, because that would cover every part of the body and sort of leave the mystery of like, okay, who was that? You know, because yeah. most people casually browse YouTube. They don't look at what channel uploaded the video. Yeah. So, so the prank. And I remember myself and um, Rob Monroe, the guy who helped me direct and, and produce it, we were just cracking up at the the idea and concept of it, you know what I mean? Like, I'm really going to go out there dressed as a superhero and play people? Yeah. <laughs> it, seems, it seems way more off the wall than it seems right now, right? So, uh, I literally, funny enough, I was looking on the internet, and I could not find a suit um, that would actually fit me because most costumes um, and most companies make costumes that are, like, baggy. They don't actually want you to look like the movie. You know, they don't want to be throwing around a bunch of movie replicas. They want to save that for the on-screen characters. Gosh, okay. So I end up finding one Spider-Man basketball suit that actually fit me in the U.K., <laughs> and it was a size medium because they they mostly only make, like, size large and XL. Okay. So I found this size medium, order it. It's, like, 350 bucks. 
by the time I got here, I tried it on. It fit like a glove, which shocked me, right? Like, like this costume was like it was made. It was like made. This is how I think this was God's plan. The suit was like made for me, right? Yeah. And then the crazy thing was I could not breathe. I found out real quickly, like I barely breathe in it, especially if I got winded. Uh, I couldn't really grab the ball. I couldn't do any spin moves. Um, I couldn't see. I couldn't shoot uh, deeper than 15 feet. If you notice on the spider yeah. basketball, so one, I don't shoot deeper than like 10, 15 feet. And, um, yeah, so everything. So I was like overall like 50% in the suit or whatever. But the trip was when we went out to shoot the first uh, video, you know, Rob, he went out there ahead of me and act like he was already at the park so that when I walked up and, and sort of got into a game, he could just break out the camera and make it, you know, kind of get the video on the sneak, you yep. know, prank style. So I ended up going out there. I was literally out there for about 20 minutes, and I don't even know how we got into a game at King of Court. I think somebody asked me to play or something like that, and every move I pulled off just was, like, flawless. I, I don't think I even missed a shot. I don't know if I ever didn't have possession of the basketball during the, <laughs> the King of the Court game. And not that the competition was great, but it was interesting because the suit had me only, like, 50%. And anyway, after, after like, 15, 20 minutes, I was like, all right, thanks for playing, fellas. They're like, wait, you're leaving? Like, what? Yeah. I was like, yeah, like, appreciate you guys. And they're like, you're not going to take off the mask? And I was like, nope. That's awesome. <laughs> Got to roll. So I just dipped out after I talked to all these kids. And then uh, we go back that night, and I actually edited the video firsthand. It took me, like, two or three hours, but I had to be – uh, in Chicago the next day I had a flight early in the morning because uh, we had a ball-up game out there. So <clears throat> after I edited, I started uploading like 11 at night, and I realized at the time I didn't know how to compress my videos, but it was going to take like 10 hours to upload. Oh, wow. So I let it upload overnight. I go to sleep. I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, dang, still uploading? Like, it was crazy because if you use a DSLR at the time, they, they didn't have compressed a way to compress the video, so it took forever. Okay. So I was still uploading when I woke up and I had to go to the airport. But I was like, you know what? I've done this before. I said, let's just leave the computer on all weekend. I'll be back Monday. Screw it. So I leave it uploading. By the time I get to the airport and I took the little uh, the, uh, the, the the truck from uh, the self-park to the, to the terminal, it had already got like 300,000 views. And I was kind of tripping out. I was like, did I read this right? Like, yeah. 300K. Oh, wow. Like. That's a trip, but I'm thinking it's going to plateau out right there, right? So then by the time I got on the plane, or excuse me, by the time I, I landed in Chicago, got off the plane, I looked at it, and it had like 1.5 million views. And, again, I had to reread it. I was like, wait, 1.5? That's, that's a trip. And then <laughs> by the end of that week, it had like 6 million views. You know, by the end of the two weeks, it was like 13. And then, like, my channel went to, like, 600K subs, where I only had, like, 50K prior to that. Wild. And so it, like, turned into a business, like, literally overnight. But I think a lot of things happen. I think we're meant to be. That's, that's why I definitely call it a blessing. But, uh, but yeah, 2013, that's when my YouTube changed from just something for booking inquiries to full-time business. And I think it's interesting to reference it as overnight because the fact is, like, it took all these years of work to be able to execute on that so well. You know, and just, really, and just yeah. find something that is in your lane. And, and something I really want the listeners to pick up on is the fact that this was a fairly risky move. You know, there is some kind of uh, there is that thought of like people are going to judge me if I do this. Maybe it doesn't go well. But like because you took the effort, because you made the attempt, attempt and went all out on it, you know, and executed it well and put some thought behind it. 
you give yourself that opportunity to really do something great and, and extraordinary, which this it turned out to be. And I'm sure there are lots of things that you tried previously that didn't work out as well. You know, that doesn't prevent you from trying harder the next time and taking from what you learn and applying it to the future. Yeah, no, you're totally right. It was, uh, it definitely was a nutty video, right? Like, like I was embarrassed. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I got that the first time. I even questioned, like, right before we did it, like, should we even be doing this? Like, it's stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. But <laughs> ended up working out. And like you said, there were, there were many videos I thought were going to hit and go crazy. Didn't do hardly any numbers. And you're right. It wasn't an overnight thing. It was something, you know, that was, like I said, you know, preparation uh, meets opportunity. Success can be had. So it was a lot of preparation, a lifelong, you know, dedication to the game and, and practice and perfecting the craft that definitely – allow this to happen for sure that's awesome so talk to us a little about about instagram right now i mean you're just doing a phenomenal job of of putting out content very consistently staying extremely engaged with your audience and where do, where do you see this leading do you have a, a kind of a plan for the the future down the line for me it's really about brand expansion and instagram instagram for me is really to promote youtube even though they technically are their own business like both of them are kind of like their separate business but yeah. i think i think it, it fuels youtube and it drives views since youtube is the way bigger platform for me um but the plan going forward really with social is just brand expansion uh launching a clothing line in august which i haven't given a release date for but obviously we're going to use instagram to uh drive a lot of traffic to our you know to our clothing apparel site and um really want to do tour events in-house for the first time because I've always been contracted with third-party companies. Okay. So I want to definitely in-house them if possible. <clears throat> and then uh, I would like to use the social platforms to promote uh, outside projects that I would like to do that involves like a feature and a documentary, which I won't give too many details on right now. But um, I'd, I'd say the main one, the main thing is just brand expansion and then, and then promoting some outside projects. Awesome. And I think, yeah, just because you have been so intentional about growing your audience, trying different things, being consistent and really finding way, new ways to connect with your crowd. I mean, you just have so much leverage with all the attention that you have right now. Content over everything, you know? COE. Yeah. <laughs> we always say pound COE, content <laughs> over everything. It's hilarious. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a blessing. You know, I think even the way like Instagram started for me, I started that in 2011 and up until that time I had so much archive footage from just like little side games I played in overseas to uh, TV show clips from, you know, from man one in the early 2000s. And I realized that videos got way more views than pictures. And so I just, I just did my best to like put out every single video that I could possibly, that I possibly had on file. And that built, I remember that built the foundation for like my Instagram fall. Like I got to over a hundred K from posting like, video footage that was either you know probably like six to ten years old and then even like current day stuff mixed on on top of that and then like big pages like reposting my stuff and that's sort of how like the momentum started with that initially but um but yeah it's been great great platform to to inspire people and uh to definitely uh, brand expand cool well, i appreciate you man uh, let the people know where can they find you? What can they uh, look forward to in the, in the near future? I you talked about it a little bit already. Yeah, no, I appreciate the time, man. Um, yeah, so you definitely can find me on YouTube with Professor Live, Instagram, Global Hooper, uh, Facebook, Professor Live. Um, definitely uh, stay tuned for August. 
uh, apparel line dropping, Global Hooper Apparel. Really excited about that. Um, stay tuned for the Global Hooper series, which is like my all-new reality series. It's going to be starting uh, in July. It's going to like document all my travels uh, across the globe. I just want to give people a more intimate look into what I got going on. And then on top of that, I just, you know, I just want to let everybody know, hey, I'm thankful for the support. And, uh, you know, the voices, the comments, everything is definitely heard by me firsthand. And uh, I'm humbled and uh, definitely appreciated. That's awesome. And the series that will be on uh, one of your social platforms, where can we look for that? Yeah, so that's going to be on Professor Live as well. Okay. And uh, promoted through, through Instagram and everything. I, I promise if people follow me, there's no way they're not going to hear about it. So There you go. Definitely check Cool, man. Why? And I appreciate you guys joining us again. Jacob's Affirmations. Big things are possible. Little steps get you there. Keep focused. Let us know at Global Hooper, at Mr. Jacob Espy. What were the biggest takeaways you got from today's episode? We look forward to hearing from you guys.